0: I got green juice, cucumber, celery, apple. If I want a little sweeter, I might use a pineapple. Green juice, all this deliciousness, hey, fresh, cruciferous, got me feeling magnificent. I got green juice, cucumber, celery, apple. If I want a little sweeter, I might use a pineapple. Green juice, hey, all this deliciousness. Fresh got me feeling hello, like hello folks. Welcome to Gardopia Gardens, growing green, our future podcast where we talk with people in the education, active, health, and environmental fields all around the world and San Antonio to highlight great getting things happening morning, to address climate change
1: and unhealthy lifestyles.
0: Today we have our guest with us, Brandon Kirby of Rainbow Gardens. Welcome, Brandon.
1: All right. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, man, well, I I appreciate you joining us today. Um, You know, I think I met you maybe about a year ago or so. Uh, You came and supported our Garden Awards Gala. Y'all were actually the nursery of the year for 2021. So congratulations on that. You know, in this podcast, wanna just just get to know a little bit more about Rainbow Gardens and the work y'all are doing. So how did you get into gardening?
1: I became interested in gardening many years ago. I used to go run around my backyard grew up on a farm and it actually was a, a satellite growing operation to uh, grow plants for rainbow gardens. It's our family business. And so uh, I grew up on a, a large piece of property right there on the Balcones Escarpment in between Bernie and San Antonio. I would take long nature walks with my dad and he'd you know point out all the different plants and give me the Latin names and just kind of roll my eyes at it. As I got older, went into college, I, I started thinking, hey, you know, these, these plant things, they're kind of cool. You know, I just kind of raised with the uh, a hippie mentality to complete the cycle, make sure everything's full circle and uh, you know to be good stewards of our environment. And so that kind of resonated with me as I got older. I realized that I, I really love plants. I love the environment and I, I got really jazzed about it. Unfortunately, I didn't go that way initially. I went and worked in corporate oil and gas, which was a, not the best place to be if you were uh, of that kind of mindset. And I uh, realized really quickly that I wasn't doing something that fed my inner fire. And I started feeling kind of guilty about what we were doing. And so I jumped over to our family business as soon as I could. And that's where it took off. It took off. I mean, I started growing things in my backyard, vegetable gardening, growing some houseplants and things. And that love of gardening has instilled itself ever since. So.
0: Nice, man. Nice. Well, I, I think about, you know, different people's backgrounds, because I didn't get into gardening so I was older. But also, you know, I was on, on a farm from a very young age as well, but more with animals. It's always interesting, again, just to see how people gravitate towards these things. So Rainbow Gardens, tell me a little bit about the history. Like how did that get started?
1: Yeah, Rainbow Gardens, uh, It's it's been a family business since its inception. In 1976, we began. Uh, we had a small garden center over in Harmony Hills. It's called the Harmony Hills Garden Center. And there were two partners, my father, Frank, and this gentleman named George Beer. He was uh, kind of a, a mentor. He was a Depression-era um, businessman. And so he had kind of seen the economy go up and down and, and he was, he was savvy. So he put my dad into business. That first garden center, they, they had a heck of a time with, it was kind of small and it had its challenges and they decided to exit that location and ultimately ended up at another one called Hollywood Park Garden Center. It's kind of over near Thousand Oaks and, and 281. That was in 1978. And at that time, we changed the name to uh, Rainbow Gardens around 1980. During that time, there were lots of garden centers in San Antonio. I think they told me there was 30 or 35. And throughout the years, just from various catalysts, you know, the oil crash of the 80s, a lot of guys went into business there. It became um, just kind of a big houseplant boom and, and kind of renaissance with gardening back in the 70s where people were really conscious of the earth. And so I think that a lot of garden centers were started around then, but they fell out of favor in the 80s and 90s um, into the 2000s where nobody was talking about gardening really and so we have two locations now we've got this one on bandera road where i'm sitting at today we've got that one that was previously the uh the hollywood park garden center um that's over on thousand oaks there was a third one at one point um that one didn't make it the the business is really challenging you've got to have good people and so that one went under but you know we're we're proud that we're family owned and operated and serving our local community so
0: man that's so interesting there used to be so many garden centers and i remember when i was a kid because my mom did a little bit of gardening or maybe we get a house plant or two and there was wolf nursery and then even most recently in the early 2000s 2010s there was a schultz nursery um, Mm -hmm. as well now maybe there's like 10 to 15 prominent ones in the in the region it's just amazing to see that decrease but i i hope that we're on an increase again Every time I go to Rainbow Gardens, man, it's packed. So business is going pretty good right now, would you say?
1: We, we've we got a lot of uh, new customers coming out. So I think, you know, given the circumstances of the pandemic, just resiliency is kind of at the forefront of our minds now. A lot of people have had this renewed interest in in plants. And it's really interesting. I've, I've kind of stepped into the industry right before I came in 2018. And of course, you know, the pandemic is a 2020 and it was, it was sleepy back in 2018, 2019, that things hadn't changed. And then when people got stuck at home, there was this massive catalyst. There's people on their phones, on their computers, and, and they're looking for a way to connect with nature. And I think a lot of people found that plants were a great way to connect with nature and they found you could bring plants into your home and, um, and create your own oasis, maybe in your backyard, if you had one, or, you know, have your your sunniest window in your apartment and filled up with house plants and. And there really is a uh, something special with being able to connect to the plant. It's it's like a pet, but it's not like a pet. It's not as demanding, but it it gives you that kind of basic uh, human you know urge to connect with nature in your in your environment. And so I, I think that a lot of people found the need to do that once they weren't out and about or so distracted with their everyday life. And and so we've seen a ton of new people with this interest in gardening, and, and they're all learning. You know, they're wanting to know. How do I grow vegetables here? You know what what fruit trees work here? What what kind of flowers can I bring in? What, and and especially uh, an interest with the local ecosystem. Like how do I bring butterflies or bees to my yard? You know what what plants are good for birds? And so that's super cool to see the the community of San Antonio kind of rally around that idea and really run with it. And, and the city has been great. They've kind of sponsored some programs to help facilitate greener spaces. And we're just really proud to be a part of that movement.
0: Nice. nice. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, the pandemic. We got so many calls for gardens and, you know, I'm happy. I think it's a silver lining because, you know, we needed a little bit of a wake-up call about our health and about our environment. We're nowhere near where we need to be. I know you know that mm-hmm. as well, right? There's, there's a lot of work to be done, but I'm happy that we're alive and, and we're have the opportunity in this period of time to, to be that change. And so, you talked a little bit, or you mentioned resiliency gardens. What is a resiliency garden like,
1: and what does that mean to you? Well, so you know, when the pandemic first began, we had a lot of people coming out, and food scarcity was kind of at the forefront of everybody's mind. If you walked to our local grocers, you'd see, just the aisles blown, and and it wasn't just fresh food that was gone, which we all I think agree we we need to increase our consumption of, but it was also the canned food and the shelf stable stuff, and there are people that were panicking, you know, they were like, hey, uh, I didn't realize how fragile our, our supply chain was. And, and I'm not re- relying on myself at all. I'm relying on my dollar and going to the store and, and spending that. And if that breaks down, what do I do? And so my, uh, my marketing team and I sat down and we said, you know, how can we help increase the awareness of food resiliency? And so we kind of uh, took the idea of the victory garden, you know, that they had back in World War II. And and for those that don't know, the Victory Garden was a a concept where, you know, food was also scarce. They're sending a lot of it over to the front lines in the Pacific and and, uh, European theaters. And so people were encouraged to plant these Victory Gardens. They had beans, they had squash, they had tomatoes, you know, things you could eat at home or can for the winter. So I said, hey, that's a great idea. You know, we're kind of fighting our own good fight against this pandemic and we're trying to do the right thing. So why don't we help encourage people to become more resilient at home? And so we we got with some of the local media and, and talked a little bit about it. And I don't know that the concept necessarily stuck, uh, or the brand, excuse me, the brand resiliency garden necessarily stuck. But I think the concept did. I think a lot of people that year and in the subsequent years have really leaned into the idea of sustainability. And sustainability doesn't mean turning your front yard into a huge garden. You know, it means planting a couple fruit trees or maybe having a couple of tomato plants and pots in your backyard, something to help supplement that your food supply and also to just feed yourself nutritious, wholesome food that our bodies crave. And that honestly, we're not getting from our, our food supply in America today.
0: Again, we're, we're, still in the pandemic up to this point, and, and we're also in a climate crisis and you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people can feel depression or, or anxiety of what can they do, right? What can I do? But gardening, I think is a great activity to take a small step. Of course, it's not going to save the world, but, If everybody produced a percentage of their food, then we could really start to make massive change. But it takes that community, that culture buy-in that is critical. And so for y'all, in addition to sort of promoting resiliency gardens, y'all also have started an educational program. I've seen some videos. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. Back in 2018, 2019, when I first walked in, I realized, you know, we've got a great organization here with a lot of really intelligent people that know their stuff. And gardening has been this mystical world. If you look back to the Native Americans, they're they're putting fish at the bottom of the hole and they don't really know why it makes corn grow taller, but it does, right? Well, we've kind of broken it down now. We know the science behind these things. But I would say for a lot of people that there's still this mysticism or there's this, you know, this question of, you know, why do things work? And so that was kind of the the vision is, okay, how do we get the information out of our head and into the heads of our community? And so we started blogging that was where it started we started writing just a bunch of blogs and seeing how much information we could get down and the intent was a hyper local take of how to be successful in your garden and garden being a very broad term meaning your annual beds or your perennials or your trees and shrubs or maybe your houseplants in your house gardening is whatever you want it to be with anything that has roots hyper local emphasis on how to be successful in your garden it grew from the blogs. We started doing more Facebook type things, just little like minute you know, videos or, or minute quick reads, little paragraphs educating people. And then recently we just got our uh, video program off the ground. So we're doing extended videos for those who want more in-depth knowledge or short clips for those who have a shorter attention spans like myself. I just want the facts. And then we had a nice uh, event seminar Program going at that time. And and we're continuing to do that, although the pandemic's changed a little bit. We have smaller classes, but we've realized that just because you can't attend the event in person doesn't mean that you shouldn't have access to that knowledge. So we're trying to get all of those classes transcribed to blogs on the internet or videos. And then the other thing we're trying to do is kind of create an augmented customer service program here in the store where when you walk in, We've got staff, and, and we're quite busy. And of course, you can always ask us a, a question; we'll answer it to the best of our abilities, or to the fullest extent that you'll you'll listen to uh, passionate plant people talk. We realize that there's only so many of us, and there's a lot of people. the The kind of next step that we're going with is, is really leaning into the QR codes that the uh, pandemic's kind of brought on. Everybody's getting familiar with them and, and knows how to use them. We're working hard on condensing this knowledge that I've been talking about into QR code guides and putting them up in the nursery in relevant areas. So if you're standing in our tree yard and you want to know how to plant a tree, but you don't see anybody to ask, there's a QR code there you can take a picture of. And that does two things. One, you get your question answered. it's going to be a, a good answer, correct answer. It'd be the way that we would do it. And two, we're getting away from paper guides with uh, you know being conscious of our environment. You can take this digital guide home with you and, and you can print it out if you're so inclined, but we'd encourage people to just use their phones and, you know, read off of it and you can share them with your friends or family or effectively save it and your pictures. And you always have that piece of information and a more digital footprint than a physical.
0: I love it, man. Adapting, evolving, you know, starting in the seventies, you're always still here close to 50 years later and working with the times. And I think a lot of businesses sometimes struggle with that but it sounds like y'all are staying uh, right on pace. And so you talked a little bit about hyper-localism. Why is it important to have garden centers, to have this knowledge, to have these events, and really speak to the area of San Antonio? It's
1: a great question. Rainbow Gardens, I like to think of as a plant uh, bazaar, if you will, you know? It's it's this place where you get all of these plants coming in and going out. and As you know, Stephen, we've got plants that don't necessarily grow in this area that are being sold at nurseries around San Antonio. It's really important, first of all, to lean into that and educate our customers or people in the community about what actually grows here and what doesn't. So that's first and foremost, the most important thing. Second thing is that San Antonio has a ton of microclimates. We were talking just before the podcast started about how up north, you might be in a completely different zone than you are south of town. I think what there's three zones that San Antonio encompasses. And then I live up in Sisterdale and it's even colder up there. I'm following, you know, central Texas gardening calendars up there. So I'm not even using the information that we're we're talking about here at Rainbow Gardens. And then beyond that, within our zones, we have microclimates. Your neighbor might be able to grow a really cool tropical hibiscus in the front porch, and you might not be able to. And it's because of the orientation of the sun. Maybe it's uh, protected from the north winds. Maybe it's protected under an oak tree. Typically inside the loop, you know, you're able to grow citrus. I've known King Williams, I've got a friend of mine who has a beautiful citrus tree and they have an avocado tree like right there in downtown San Antonio. And I mean, I, I can't grow that north of the town. When you kind of look at San Antonio on a map, you have to break it down and say, okay, there's not a one size fits all solution for people. You can't say this plant is going to grow everywhere. You have to be hyper-local and aware of what your yard does and how you can plug these plants into your yard. What works for you isn't going to work for somebody 10 miles north or 10 miles south. We really try to lean into that and educate each and every customer and take the time to figure out what they are looking for and whether that's actually going to work for them. We're not interested in trying to to give people plants that aren't going to do well in their yard. We do sell plants that are tropical, for example, but we're very upfront and say, hey, if you leave this outside, it's going to die. You need to do X, Y, Z, you need to cover it or you need to bring it inside. Bringing that hyper-local awareness is extremely important in the gardening community because it's, it's the right thing to do for people, and it's also the way to ensure success within our community. Wheeling into that as much as possible.
0: Yeah, no, it's really important. And it's interesting you talk about microclimates because I've seen some avocado trees. I've seen an old avocado tree, man. It was probably like 40, 50 years old at Incarnate Word on the south side of the administration building off Broadway producing avocados it was just protected from that northerly wind and also they have a dormitory and a business building and they just built a brand new uh, student center on the north side so it's in between this alley with all this heat and the banana trees actually produce bananas, right? You don't see that a lot in San Antonio, but no. if it's in the right place. You can grow some bananas and avocados. If you're on the north side, good luck with that, right? You're going to be replanting <laughs> every year. And it's unfortunate that we had pretty much a 30-year storm last year. And I want to say about 90% of the citrus was lost in the mm. region. Anybody out there listening, please replant, replant, replant. I was a little hesitant. A lot of people have PTSD. They're like, it's going to snow again. But that's the first time it snowed since about 1985-ish. Hopefully, we won't see that again for a while. But yeah, man, y'all are doing some great work. Is there anything else you'd like to highlight or let people know about? How can they find you, information like that?
1: We're becoming more involved in the community. We've been a sleek little garden center for, for all these years, you know, 40-plus years. And we're San Antonio's best-kept secret, I always like to say. We're trying to put our best foot forward and really become involved in the community and empower individuals around us, work with organizations like yours to help alleviate food insecurity and and bring that knowledge to the local schools. You can connect with us in several ways. We've got a website. There's a learning center on there. We just recently redid. It's got tons of blogs, again, with the hyper-local emphasis to really answer the questions that you're asking. We've got a great Instagram. That one's kind of catered more towards millennial, Gen Z houseplant crowd. Then we've got a Facebook that one's catered towards everybody. And we're doing some really cool stuff on there. You can kind of see what's fresh. You can pick up our latest blog posts or YouTube videos, which brings me to YouTube. You know, check us out on YouTube, subscribe if if you feel so inclined. And of course you can always call us. Things do get a little bit crazy in the spring. We get a lot of phone calls, but we do our best to answer them. And then as always stop in, say hello. We're gearing up for spring right now. and We're unloading trucks as we speak. About March 1st is when we officially kick off spring here. We've got over 5,000 roses. We come by in late March if they're not all gone. You can smell the, the scent of rose wafting through the air. It's a nice 70 degrees. Take a stroll under our oak trees and, and just enjoy. You know, It's like a park here. It's hard to have a bad day at the garden center. It's just beautiful. It really allows you to connect with nature. I highly, highly recommend if you haven't stopped by, not even to buy something, just come walk, just take a stroll and just see what we got going on. It's, it's a really cool thing. And we're excited to see more nurseries pop up around San Antonio and really bring that awareness to the, the community around here. We've got a city that really backs up pollinator gardening. We've got Saul's Water Saver coupons to help alleviate some of the water stress on the land which I would love to talk about in a separate podcast. (laughs) It's just a cool thing happening here. San Antonio is growing quick and we've got great opportunity to put beautiful plants in our yard and really make San Antonio a green city and be a model for other cities around the United States.
0: I love it, man. I love it. You know, uh, I went to Vancouver in 2019 and I was doing some research. They consider themselves the garden city. But then as I was doing more research, there's a lot of cities that give themselves the proclamation of Garden City, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'd like to see San Antonio really lean into that and embrace it. And like you said, the city of San Antonio and Saws and some other organizations are are really pushing that at the policy level. Hopefully that'll continue to grow this ecosystem. Brandon, I really appreciate your time, man. I know you got some trucks out there to unload, but... uh, (laughs) Hopefully I'll make it out to Rainbow Garden soon and check it out. And I encourage everybody else listening as well. Thank you all for listening to Growing Our Future Podcast. Until next time.